Hello, 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 Freedom Fighters. We're here tonight with the Positive Property team and we're looking at conveyancing tonight. So if you use the wrong conveyancer, then you're you're in danger of losing everything. So and losing your life savings. Okay, let's hear more tonight. So Matthew and Harry, we have on board tonight. Welcome, welcome. Uh, good day. Thanks uh, for having us. Yeah, fantastic. So say a quick hello. I'm just going to go through a few questions here with you guys and then hopefully you can expand on those and and we'll go from there. Sound good? Sure, go for it. And anyone watching, please let us know that you are watching live, just hashtag live, or let us know if you're watching the replay as well. Okay, fantastic. So what I'd like to know first is um, why do we use a conveyancer at all? Well, should we give a little bit of introduction of what our background Perhaps, is? Yes, yeah. Give them an introduction to yourselves. And then we can get stuck start. in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my name is Henry Davis. I'm a uh, specialist tax and commercial lawyer. Um, and I live in Adelaide primarily. I'm based out of here. Uh, and I also deal with ACC companies and I work for uh, companies in Sydney. Um, I'm also building South Australia's first skyscraper um, on North Terrace. So I'm the chairman of the property trust um, there. I'm also an Adelaide city councillor uh, and I'm also the principal of Australia conveyancing. Um, I also like long walks on the beach um, as and I'm trying to build a chicken coop um, <laughs> this weekend. Um, so a man of many talents and I actually started off in the Air Force hunting submarines and essentially spying on China uh, as a radar operator on the APC-3 Orions. So something I've um, noticed, um, you know, coming up more. That's quite the, the yeah, quite the backstory there. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, no, there's, that's the truncated version. Um, <laughs> but I do a few a few things, and um, my speciality is tax and commercial. Um, but I did notice so many um, issues uh, with my clients um, in setting up conveyancing matters and getting them through, uh, and so I thought I would, um, you know, solve a lot of those problems, which I which I can see coming up quite often. Um, Matt works with me um, as well with Australia Conveyancing and I might hand over to Matt to give a bit of an introduction. Thanks for that. So my name's uh, Matthew Kelly. I, I've been a conveyancer for about 20 years. So I was a conveyancer fresh out of high school and um, have worked uh, in conveyancing firms, legal firms. I spent about seven years uh, with PEXA, which is the um, Property Exchange Australia, getting electronic conveyancing up and running in Australia. and um, and uh, only in the last 12 months I've uh, moved across to um, to work back in uh, private practice. So that's uh, that's my history. Yeah, so we're actually yeah, pretty lucky to have the expertise from uh, from Matt on board with us at Australia Conveyancing, uh, giving him a guy who designed the entire system and how it's done <laughs> now. Uh, and particularly yeah. Dan, who's not along with us tonight, um, and Emma Green. So there's um, four of us within the team um, who you'll be dealing with um, uh, through Australia Conveyancing. Um, but essentially, these are the guys who bloody had a massive role to play in the actual creation of the software of the new system PEXA, which we actually might go through and talk about uh, tonight. And if you're living in Queensland, there's a whole other uh, system in Tasmania, I think. So there's a few few other hurdles and issues that happen in uh, various states. So now happy, very happy to take your questions. Ah, fantastic. So why do we even go through a conveyancer at all? Yeah, well, um, so... Uh, basically, what happened? Um, but basically, what happened is it used to be the case that property was um, owned by the title. So you used to have a piece of paper, uh, and that piece of paper, if you held it, that entitled you to 
a plot of land. When you first came to Australia off the boat, you'd get four sticks and you shove them in the ground and that was your land. Um, doesn't matter how big the sticks were, how far apart they were. However, you know, as long as you could kind of see them, you just own that land. So when settlers got off the boat, they would just, you know, float up a river, find a spot with no sticks in it and then chuck it in there. They would then, you know, try and formalize that um, with some pieces of paper uh, known as title deeds. And whoever was holding the title deed owned the land and that would normally be held by banks and lockboxes. Obviously, nobody has lockboxes anymore because nobody has title deeds anymore. So um, that wasn't the best system because a, a significant issue that people had was actually verifying um, who <laughs> owned sticks. <laughs> yeah, and, and what you had to do, yeah, so who put in the first sticks in the land, you had to prove that before iPhones, before anything else, uh, before the internet, um, you basically said, no, I put the sticks in, so it's me. And then your twin brother or someone, Matt, would claim that he put the sticks in and no, but his sticks were outside of mine, and so mine was inside. It was a very complicated system. So yeah. instead what they did with the Crown Land, um, rather than having this, um, this process, and mortgages actually, you know, the, the saying to get the you know, bad end of the stick, the wrong end of the stick is uh, in a mortgage, uh, they would actually have a, a long piece of wood um, and they would break the stick off and they would um, record your mortgage payments on an actual stick. Um, really? A very sophisticated technology <laughs> back in the day. Um, now it's no all sticks in your office. <laughs> yeah, it's no. quite a sticking point. Um, and so what they did was this guy called Torrens, and it was actually in South Australia. This guy called Torrens, a lot of it, our Torrens River is named after him. He said, why don't we actually have a central system of management and control where the government will look after all of the different titles? And this was like, ground like groundbreaking exceptionally exciting news back in the 1800s i think it was um where they had a central title of title which was managed and controlled by the government and whatever the central title said uh who owned it that's what it was so therein born conveyancing um essentially where you would have somebody who would uh manage that process um through the government to change the title from one person to the other and that central system needed administrators uh, from the government and also from the private sector to administer uh, those, um, those transactions. So that's what conveyancing came about. And now instead of having a stick, I'll just show you quickly, a bit of show and tell. Um, awesome. Is, this is the new stick. It's a USB stick. And this is actually a portal stick, which gives us access into- uh, Can everyone see that? I was just checking. It's a USB stick. It's a little white thing. Perfect. With a log on and that log on allows you to change the title and responsible persons. I mean, Matt's more responsible than I am, um, but uh, responsible persons, <laughs> that's up for debate. Uh, responsible persons, as they call them, are able to affect um, uh, conveyances. That's the short answer. Oh, perfect. So, Will, any questions that anyone has, please type them into the chat and we'll try and get to them if we can. Otherwise, we'll just go through <laughs> a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fantastic. So, what it is you, you're you saying you handle is that basically the title deeds to the land and you're making sure it's all legal and the right person has those deeds. Yeah, we deal with that central, uh, that central authority, which is run by the Lands Titles Office here in South Australia. And we make sure that your property, uh, well, that you're buying, goes into your name, not somebody else's. Fantastic, because that's pretty handy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and what so makes you, 
What makes you guys one of the best in Australia? Um, so a, a lot of conveyances and, uh, and it comes from different streams. So um, conveyances go through a, a TAFE course um, and it used to be the case that a lot of lawyers um, did it um, and there was a lot of um, a lot more responsibility placed on, on, on the lawyers in times gone past. That's then now moved to a, a new model or a quicker model or a you know a drive through model um, where um, essentially uh, the training was a lot less and we're talking about the training requirements mm -hmm. that conveyances go through in order to transact your property but they don't conveyances actually don't go through a full legal um, training so I think that um, a lot of quality I suppose or um, uh, there's a lot of periphery things that might occur and there's a lot of transactions that occur around a conveyance that I think a, a, a solicitor can absolutely have an impact on so one of those issues is that I felt like um, clients, conveyancing clients would need a large number of uh, resources in order to actually give a transaction, get it right, including legal advice, accounting advice and conveyances uh, and the real estate agent and everyone had to try and communicate and talk with each other. But often the lawyer being the most expensive part of it would not be there. And you're not just going to brief a lawyer um, on every single conveyance. You really need a lawyer there if it goes wrong. In the background. Yeah, so essentially I'm your emergency break glass uh, response to things going wrong. Otherwise, um, a lot of the time the conveyancing team uh, who really like Matt and Dan uh, and Emma, they'll be your first point of call uh, and I'll be sitting there as the reserve uh, troops to ensure mm. that anything comes, comes about. Fantastic. Yeah, between, between Dan, Emma and I, we have quite a number of decades of experience and having um, uh, having a conveyancer, I once heard someone say it's like wearing a, a good conveyancer is like wearing a seatbelt in the car. 99 yeah. days out of 100, it, it doesn't matter whether you're wearing a good seatbelt or not, but if something goes wrong, you really want someone who has picked up that issue before it's even raised its head. That's, That's a good way. I like that analogy. They also built the bloody thing. So this <laughs> is a... Um, so you might not know this, but this is the, the, the major banks and the government actually got together to create this brand new system called PEXA. Um, and yeah. it hasn't been in operation for uh, all that long. Yet. About uh, 2016 in SA, yeah. so about 2014 in VIC, so uh, under a decade. Yeah, under a decade. So like six years, what's that, nine years total? Yep. It's the central infrastructure that all conveyances and lawyers across Australia, except for uh, Tasmania and, and Northern Territory. Yeah. Everywhere where electronic conveyancing is mandatory, it's the central uh, infrastructure that everybody uses to communicate, lodge documents, uh, pay monies, mm. settle properties, yeah. everything. And so this was this this technology was um, developed in um, uh, throughout the major banks and, and, and with the government, and now they're actually looking at just like we did with the Torrance Title System, using this system to export it around the world. So. You've actually got the guys here who were involved in this creation, which is a, a major draw card because they understand it better than most. Absolutely. And we've got just a quick question here. What's the difference between a solicitor and a conveyancer? You may have just answered yeah. a bit of that one. But... So, um, yeah, do you, do you want to? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, solicitors can do conveyancing. Um, so a, a solicitor or a conveyancer can both do your conveyancing for you. Solicitors practice uh, in all areas of the law where con uh, uh, conveyancers really just practice in property. So it, we, conveyances really specialise in property. Like Henry said, it's good to have a- Kind of like a GP compared to a specialist, yeah? Yeah, that's the way I like to think of it. And um, I mean, it's very important to have a, a solicitor uh, on the team as well who can 
pick up when there's disputes and, and when um, when contracts are falling over and things like that. You've really got someone to have your back, but at the same time, it's good to have mm. the best of both worlds. Yeah, and it means yeah, it means not having to go. And I think that's one of the things that we're we're losing a lot is um, uh, in that conveyancing world is actually having a full solicitor who understands all of the uh, the structures or unit trusts and um, different class trusts and everything like that, as well as uh, litigation rights and, and difficulties. So um, we've yeah, lost that that, asset, that real asset protection side of things as well. Yeah, and 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 I know that you guys work with uh, Adrian Cartland as well, who's a, a specialist tax lawyer. Um, but from the conveyancing side of things, having that uh, person there to uh, on hand and mitigate these types of things is something that I think is uh, potentially lacking in the market and something that I'm looking to change. Absolutely. And conveyancing costs different in each state to state, yeah? How much yeah, does conveyancing charge from state to state? Someone just written here. So largely the professional fees in conveyancing are fairly similar from state to state. They're all... Um, they, they don't vary too much. The thing that does vary from state to state can be the types of searches and things like that that you need to apply for. So, in uh, for instance, in Queensland, you the purchaser is required to buy sometimes anywhere up to $1,000 worth of um, government searches. So that's not necessarily conveyancing fees, but it's it's fees that your conveyancer charges because they're just passing on that cost. So um, in, in Queensland, it, it, the fees could be quite a lot higher than they are in Victoria or South Australia, for instance, but pretty much from our perspective anyway, conveyancing fees are quite uniform. The, the fee that the, our, we charge is uniform across Australia. Yeah, okay, so you do every state? We, um, at the moment, we work in Queensland and South Australia and we, we do have okay. aspirations, yeah. Are you looking at expanding? Yeah, so the intention is that Australian conveyancing will be able to deal with um, uh, every single state, um, yeah, in, in Australia as a one-stop shop. Fantastic, even better. All right, so we've got another question popped up here. How do you know a good conveyancer from a bad one and how do you pick? You'll know when it all goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you won't know before that, right? Yeah, most that's, of them are that's very your, pretty That's your due diligence. Yeah, yeah. Some states uh, have a professional, de uh, professional development framework like South Australia has a CPC. So if your conveyancer is a CPC, that means that they keep up to date with their professional development over the year. They're at the, you know, at the front of legislation changes and all that kind of stuff. So it's good to firstly make sure that they, they keep up to date with that, uh, find out how long they've been doing conveyancing for. Um, yeah, it's the same with property. I always tell, like it's the same with property. I always tell people do your research on us you'll find it like, and you're confident in telling them to do that if you re, if the research yep. is good, right? It's, Success it's leaves clues. Yeah, it's one of those uh, one of those things, like lots of other things, that you really get what you pay for. We hear lots of horror you stories do. of going out, getting cheap conveyancing off the internet, and it end up costing five times more than it would have if they just had a good conveyancer in the first place. Yeah. So how do you find a good conveyancer? Because we do everything on the internet now. Well, a lot of it's by word of mouth, right? So you need to be able to... Um, find someone that you trust that has experience in, 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 in that area. And it, it's about a, a proven track record. Yeah. So um, dealing with people that, you know, in many ways, it's kind of like the first time you, you deal with anybody. So the idea is that, um, you know, I know, know George very well. We've um, worked for together for many years um, and um, from a different side of things. And, um, you know, we, we got chatting and, and having a chat about some of the the issues that he's faced with the number of conveyances and things like that. And one of the reasons is that you don't also have that legal expertise in there 
uh, and a really commitment to an ongoing, um, um, you know, group. So I actually personally, um, I love George's book and I actually implement his model myself. So um, George's um, advice through his book has helped me to get about four different properties uh, and investment properties. Uh, and I've recently got a new girlfriend and we're, we chatted about that last night and basically went through that in that. Uh, Beautiful. So I actually do have a lot of confidence in the, um, the system that um, George and Christina and positive property uh, have put together. Um, and I actually, absolutely. Um, I, so, yeah. So I, yeah. I guess the benefits of that is I understand exactly uh, what George is trying to achieve and how, uh, and the offer that he gives to his clients and also the, um, uh, the way that he fast tracks uh, his clients into um, buying property. A lot of the time you can sit back and actually um, just sit there and watch your uh, deposit grow slower than the market is increasing in value, uh, which yeah. can be a challenge. So, um, yeah. I Fantastic. So what's the price difference between a conveyancer and a lawyer? A lot. So if you went with a solicitor um, and a soliciting firm, they'd be charging um, $400 an hour. Um, and so for what a you know conveyancer would cost, this is the reason why solicitors have moved away from actually providing this advice. So yeah. uh, you're, you know, you might charge 2,000, 4,000, uh, maybe five grand for a conveyance as a lawyer sits there and reads all the mortgage documents to you and things like that. So what we've been able to put together here is bring the best of both worlds, having yeah. a solicitor on board, uh, to uh, as a break glass in case of emergency to make sure that everything goes well, but at the same time having an extremely experienced team um, who built Pexa um, to an extent of a bit of it. Um, uh, Helps, yeah, assistant. Help, you know, nah. so, yeah. Um, yeah, all, all that ground approach. So in that way, we've been able to put together a, um, a relatively straightforward and streamlined product, but then also have uh, the controls in place from the solicitor. Fantastic. Um, we just got a hello. Hello, Belinda Douglas. Fantastic to see you. Welcome to all the members watching and all the non-members watching. You're about to be members. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And these guys are here to help, really. So in terms of um, so what you should look for in a good conveyance, obviously we've been over a little bit of that. Um, is there any other advice you would have towards well, what happens? Okay. Now I can only see Facebook users, so I can't actually see people pop up on here. It just says user, so I'm not sure. So what happens if you get in trouble with a conveyancer halfway through a property deal? Yeah. Is that in trouble with the conveyancer themselves or in trouble with the property? Just get well, you to clarify. I'm sure that you're always free to, um, to, to, to sack your conveyancer, I guess, and, and move to another one. Just bear in mind that if it's too close to settlement, there may be some things that need to be redone or, or re-signed that may cause issues with, with timing and things like that. And um, and there may be out-of-pocket expenses that your conveyancer who you're sacking has already has already spent. And I mean, they would be entitled to um, to recoup those costs. But if you do get in trouble, you know, you can always pick up the phone to another conveyancer and, and see if there's, if, if you think that they're not doing a good job. And, oh, um, Worst case scenario is that you have a settlement date and you've paid a deposit. And if you don't settle on that date at the right time, you'll lose your deposit and you'll lose the property. If you're a vendor as well, um, you can lose the contract. So that's what you don't want happening, especially I, in this industry. You work very, very hard for your money. <laughs> yeah. 
And so then you've got to go through the whole real estate agent process again, um, delaying it. So, and there's, it's funny, I was, um, um, you know, with the, with the development I'm doing on North Terrace, it's a 183 meter tall skyscraper. Uh, and I was reading a book called how big things get done and the costs of minute errors, um, to you and the costs of very little changes and very small things that you might not perceive the costs to you can be astronomical. So in most circumstances, it'll be fine. Um, in those kind of little, um, circumstances, 1% of the time, even maybe less, they can have catastrophic, catastrophic implications. So I've run litigation, for example, where the, the conveyancer on the other side um, was responsible for uh, finalizing the um, due diligence period. And they were responsible for sending and forwarding their client's instructions to finalize and confirm the deal. They didn't do that. And so my client then walked away from the deal because it was a day late. And we went to the Supreme Court arguing about what the definition of in 30 days, including today means. Yeah. So these things, um, that the, the cost to the actual, it was a developer who was um, trying to purchase this. They ended up paying an extra $150,000 for the land that they had already spent a huge amount of money um, trying to do due diligence to construct and to buy a property. So that's quite an extreme example. But um, these types of long tail risks is what we call them can absolutely happen from time to time. So in those types of circumstances, it's really important that you have the expertise and knowledge on hand to deal with them quickly. Um, just like if there's a fire, if you let it go, and I'm actually a CFS volunteer as well. Uh, Fort oh, fire, yeah. Anger <laughs> Island, uh, in, Man of many hats. Um, I got a medal for it somewhere. Um, uh, the, you want to bring it out? <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> And so, you know, it's, it's those types of simple decisions where if you let something get out of control, all of a sudden it gets, um, it gets massive. So the idea then the service that I wanted to provide is actually have someone, and I will always be across your matter and, and, and over and overlooking it, um, to ensure that anything does go wrong. That Cause I don't think that anyone, to be honest, as an investor reads all that paperwork. Oh, hell no. It's, they don't know be expected to there's that many pages, hundreds of pages yeah you have to really know what you're looking for when you're going through it which is obviously we do we can skim through things like that quite quickly but yeah someone who doesn't look at them every day it would take yeah hours and hours absolutely yeah it does and, and half the time you don't know what the words mean and even what sentence means because they've got words in it you have to dictionary every two two words <laughs> Um, so we don't have much time left, maybe only a couple of minutes, and then we're going to have to go across to our members, um, session. So we'll just have time for a couple more questions. So what well, major traps? Pardon? You want to stay? <laughs> no, you have to talk to other people too. All right. <laughs> We've got other people wanting to ask you more one-on-one -on -one stuff. So okay. we'll go to that too. But what major traps or pitfalls of a property deal from a conveniencing point of view? which the buyer what should the buyer consider which the buyer should consider i think um a lot of the things that buyers should consider are quite well um or taken care of in the, the positive property model so having mm. you know good finance brokers having someone who's done their due diligence on the property uh, making sure that you can afford it what the repayments would be if, if you're an investor um you know whether whether renting this property out is going to even be appropriate all those sorts of things the types of things that we see you know go wrong in conveyancing but as i said 
a lot of those things will be taken care of if you're a um, in the part of that group. Can I say something else as well? Even not even just from the buyer's point of view, but um, I've actually seen it recently. I've had a couple of clients that work in the defense industry. Macquarie Bank, Bank froze their accounts um, and basically they got locked up and they couldn't actually finalize a number of deals. So something you can actually do um, as a buyer is go through the form one of the vendor and to ensure that they have given you proper and full disclosure because if they don't, you might actually have the ability to cancel that contract and then not lose your deposit and all this types of stuff. So your cooling off period, um, when that actually occurs is quite a crucial time period. So on, on a number of occasions, I've had clients um, where they needed to uh, withdraw from a deal for whatever reason. Um, and you can actually go through the, um, the vendor's purchase and form one statement and make sure that you're protected in that way uh, and actually do that form one discovery. So things like that, we can actually assist you with. Um, I have actually read one of those. <laughs> yeah. So there's a number of different um, tips and yep. tricks. We can go into more detail tonight. If you had another couple of hours, I've got a, a whiteboard around this. I know. Someone did ask how we get George's book here. Um, oh. Just just your comment in there should be enough. Uh, one of our staff will contact you in regards to getting this. Have you guys got this? You do. Yeah. Good, good. All right. Fantastic. We don't have time for... Oh, how can we learn more about this stuff? You can become a member and come on into our group in the next five minutes. All right. So we're going to actually leave you guys here tonight and say thank you so, thank you so much for coming along. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Well, we're going to go across and meet our members in the other group. So I am going to love you and leave you all and have a good night. Good night.